Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Oh. Cole. That's the word of the day. Nothing personal. It's double entendre. Coal, as in Garrett Coal. Coal, as in Christmas coal. As a lump of coal. As in what happens when you are on Santa's naughty list. Guess who's on Santa's list today? My old friend, Erswile. Erswile means used to be. I don't think we were ever friends. We certainly had to work together. You've heard about him. Yes, indeed. Scott Boris is on the case. We have a big problem in baseball, trying to figure out the schedule, trying to figure out what can be done. We want to play as many games as possible. But right now, as you know, there's no way to guess the exact day that baseball will begin. But don't worry. The brightest minds in the sport are on it. That's not good enough. We've got Scott Boris, and he decided to release his plan. Now, let's pretend you have a job where your job is that you get paid a percentage of somebody else's job. Let's pretend that somebody else doesn't get paid what they were going to get paid. That means that what you're going to get paid is going to decrease. There's one thing that Scotty Boris doesn't like. Anything that involves a decrease in pay. So if he has a client like Garrett Cole, who's going to make $30 million, as an example, in 2020, but only half the season is played, and he only makes $15 million, that means that Boris will make 50% fewer dollars than he would have. That's not good for the budget when you've got a lot of OH, overhead, fixed costs, You want to stay financially stable during tough times, you make sure that you have as few fixed costs as possible. I'm not here to talk about Scott Boris's costs or his business plan. I couldn't care less. Literally, I couldn't. Quick side note, people say I could care less when someone says something, hey, I could care less. That's a mistake. If you could care less, that means that you're actually caring about what the person is saying. If you say, I couldn't care less, that means there is no scenario under which that I could actually care less than I do about Scott Boris and his business. So he came up with a solution. Everybody guess what his solution is. I'm waiting. My big studio audience here. Yes, that's right. 162 games, a full season, full playoffs. Wait for it. Game six of the World Series will come. Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 ho. The World Series and Christmas? That's like Christmas in July. I did a paper in fourth grade on Christmas in July. So let me get this straight, Scott. You want to have a full 162-game season, but you recognize the weather issues. So your plan is that later season games will all be played 
where there are domes or warm weather. He didn't mention Oakland and San Francisco because they're not domes and they're not warm. But Los Angeles Dodgers, where Anaheim plays. Oh, he's got season tickets. Shocking. Then the dome stadiums, whether it's Seattle, someone needs to tell him. I don't know that he's been to Seattle. I'm trying to think of his big clients who were in Seattle. I'm sure he's got many of them. But he knows, of course, that Seattle is closed, but there's a climate control issue. But we can talk about that later. Then Texas has a brand new building as well. But we can talk about that later because they haven't played. But we've got Marlins Park. You're welcome. There's a there's a dome. Arlington. We talked about Tampa. They've got a dome, the Thunderdome. No New York teams, obviously. Nothing in the Northeast Corridor. So how would it work again, Scott? Oh, he's got the solution. The World Series will be played at a neutral site in domed facilities. Everyone will be able to plan for it. It'll be a Super Bowl-like event. And then we will delay the start of the 2021 season. And we will just keep delaying seasons until we can catch up. We may have to do a few doubleheaders in there, multiple doubleheaders, but we'll make sure that they're not uh, single admission doubleheaders so people have to pay twice for the two games so teams have the revenue. Therefore, the players will get paid. Let me sum up what Scott Boris's suggestion means. All players get paid what they were going to get paid. All owners do not make anywhere near the revenue they were going to have. And Scott Boris himself will get the amount of commissions from his players that he would have gotten normally. What I would have liked and what I really miss about you, Scott, my main man, Scott, my main man, why not just come out and say why that's your plan? Did you actually talk to any of the broadcasters? Are they available to show games through that period? As you know, with baseball being a summer sport, it wins the day on all of these different networks that spend a lot of money on teams so your players can get a lot of money, that's because baseball takes over summer programming. Do we now want the baseball networks to compete with football, to compete with basketball? Is that the plan? How's it get? Oh, it doesn't matter. My bad. Coca, my bad. Sorry. It doesn't matter because he represents baseball players only. Scott, we need answers and we need solutions and we need smart people right now. We need people who explain why they're thinking what they're thinking and are realistic and reasonable about the plans they're trying to make. Of course, as a member of management, former, thanks, I would like very much there to be as many games as possible, like to maximize revenue, but there are stakeholders involved. We have to speak to broadcasters. We have to speak to the players union and work out what are the actual ramifications of the current pandemic. Having you stand up and give such a one-sided answer is so irresponsible, but I get why. Because in our society right now, we are full of people with one-sided, agenda-laden fits of public sentiment. Let's do better. Word of the day, coal. It's an entendre. So we got news yesterday. Yes, we had actual, on the field, baseball breaking news. Epic. Let me set the stage for you. Recorded the show. As you know, we record it and we don't go back. If we want to do a bonus pod for something that's, you know, bonus pod worthy, right? We ask Julia Louise Dreyfus. We say, is this bonus pod worthy? And if it is, we do it. If not, we hold off 
and do it the next day. But on CBS Sports HQ, different breaking news because right now, anything that's anything, we're going breaking news. So blazer back on, shirt back on, back in front of the computer, and breaking news, Noah Syndergaard, <laughs> torn ulnar collateral ligament, as in Tommy John surgery, as in Kevin McAllister. Oh! For those of you not watching, I just put my hands to my scratchy face. I opened my mouth, my mouth, I screamed in horror as the Mets got the call from their trainer to the general manager, Brody Van Wagenen, then to the Wilpons. So on top of the nightmare that is baseball and sports and the world currently, the news of Noah Syndergaard. Let's see if we can put a positive spin on Noah Syndergaard having Tommy John. First, I'm going to do it. Then I'm going to have Brody Van Wagenen do it. We're going to have some fun. So I want to give you what he said to you, the statement that was released, and then we're going to talk about maybe another approach. Just maybe. Okay. Brody Van Wagenen, quote, in a press release, we have no doubt that Noah will be able to return to full strength and continue to be an integral part of our championship pursuits in the future. That's it. That's all you got. Well, the Mets released a statement that was equally unsatisfying. They simply said, RHP, right-handed pitcher, Noah Syndergaard, will be undergoing Tommy John surgery at Florida's Hospital for Special Surgery by team doctor David Alchuk, I'm doing this from memory, on Thursday. And they left it at that. A couple angles here, ladies and mostly gentlemen, although it could be more ladies, 50-50 I'm going to go with, at least to the sponsors and advertisers. In Florida, there are no elective surgeries. That's right. All of the billionaire, millionaire plastic surgeons have their selling on the side. Nothing elective is going on. We have our hands full. Pun intended. Get it? Our hands are full. Relax, Coca. It's going to be okay. Because we've got COVID-19 issues. We've got bed spacing issues. No elective surgery. But it turns out that Tommy John surgery on Noah Syndergaard in Florida is an elective surgery. Or isn't it? There's a huge debate going on. My personal view is that depending on the time of day, what's going on in that particular hospital, if we can get Noah Syndergaard in and out, is it true that he's getting an advantage that other people who are not getting an elective surgery who may need it? Well, here's going to be my view. If you need surgery and that surgery changes the way you get paid and you do your job, I want to move those surgeries to the top of the line, which brings me back to the saline on the side. If you need saline implants and that does something for your job, why is that different than the elective surgery that Noah Syndergaard's having on his elbow? Think about that for one second. So he's going to get surgery. Today is March 26th. Let's say he has it on March 27th. For a starting pitcher, he will be out from 12 to 15 months. I'm not talking about the number of games he's going to be missed. He's going to miss. This is the amount of time he needs to recover. So let's say he can take the mound 
best case next May. And that means there's still an innings limit. That means he can let it go as much as he wants, but he's not going to be able to pitch deep into October of 21. They're going to be very careful, and there's no guarantee. Now let's look at his contract. Noah Syndergaard is signed to a one-year deal this year for $9.7 million. Next year, he has one final year of arbitration, which means he and the Mets will come to an agreement. The odds are he will get the same amount or the Mets could even cut his salary by up to 20%. So let's say he makes another $8 million or $9 million. Then he's a free agent for 2022, assuming, of course, that he gets a full year of service time credit this year with, with or without the number of games that are played. We don't know. The point is very simple, Mets fans. Are you telling me that Noah Syndergaard is a part of our, let me get the quote right, an integral part of our championship pursuits in the future? That means when you give a quote like that, that you're not having championship pursuits in the present. And I know he doesn't mean that. Because when you've got DeGrom, you've got Stroman, you've got Maka, you've got Mats, you've got Porcello. You've got Pete Alonzo, Michael Conforto. You've got to believe that you are having championship pursuits now. If not, what were you doing signing Jacob DeGrom? What was your plan? My quote is, we can't wait to get Noah back to add to what we believe is already a championship team in place. Am I delusional? Am I wrong? Yes, I am. But guess what? If I'm the GM of the Mets, that's what I'm telling you, that we are still trying now or go the other way. Given the news of today, Brody Van Wagenen could have said, we are now reevaluating the entire team as we think about what are our best opportunities going forward. We don't exactly know what we're going to do now because we don't know how much of this season will or will not be played. We don't know what expenses we will or will not have, and we don't have any answers. Therefore, we want Noah Syndergaard to get better because we want him to have a long career. We will worry about next year and Noah's signing of a contract next year when the time comes. That time <clears throat> is not now. Brody could have said any of those three things. If you're a Met fan, you got a small problem. Let's move on to the NFL. You know, they're off season. We get that. We've talked about this on Nothing Personal quite a bit. We've said that their decisions they're making to continue, we called it the NFL season is starting on time. What that meant is free agency was going to begin, that they were trying to be as normal as possible. What the NFL is finding is that nothing is normal right now. The priorities of the country and of the world are not focused inward on the National Football League. Hard to imagine. But the NFL, the golden goose of sports, it's going to have to start to realize that there's a lot bigger fish to fry at the moment. So they took a step and they said, of course, the draft will not be held in Vegas, no public events, as though that were a huge give. Of course, nothing's going on in Vegas because the lights are off on the strip, literally closed down. But. The draft, they said, will continue. We'll be back to you with a new system. It may be video. It may be Zoom. <clears throat> We're all Zooming. 
Who can name a little extra trivia? Who can name your, what's your favorite song with the word Zoom in it? Count to it, three, two, one. Who's zooming who? And I don't know the rest of the words, but I know that's a song. It's who's zooming who? I can't think of it. And no way I'm even asking Coco to look for it because he's going to get too upset that it's me with my 1980s music taste. Yes, there are some good songs after 1989. I've heard a few of them. So the NFL is going to go on. They want their draft to happen because they want to protect the integrity of their calendar. They don't want to believe that there's an actual possibility, a possibility that their season could have any sort of interruptus. But we don't know for sure. So what the NFL does is what baseball does. And I've been on some of these committees and I know exactly how it works. You've got committees, then you've got subcommittees. The NFL has a general manager subcommittee. This is a committee of actual general managers where when you're the league and you're trying out different rule changes, you're thinking of different business ideas that relate to action on the field or any sort of changes to the trade rules, the waiver rules, anything that GMs do for a living. You get a group of GMs together, you put them in a room, you present them with an issue, and then you let them think about it, noodle it, and then tell you what they think. Then you ignore it if they don't give the result that you want, or you follow it if they give the result that you do want. We had a lot of these committees in baseball. We have the general managers opining on all sorts of things. We've got a whole bunch of people in the commissioner's office on the baseball side of the commissioner's office who are very involved in coming up with and looking at different rules. And we'll follow many of them as owners and presidents, but some of them, we know exactly what we want. And we'll say to the GMs, hey, listen, that's not going to work for us. So at the end of the day, it's management and it's upper management in the C-suite level management where decisions are being made. So the NFL GMs get together yesterday or the day before because they've got to talk about the draft. And GMs are saying, we must delay the draft that is scheduled for April 23rd to 25th. How it's going to happen, we don't know. Why delay the NFL draft? Because right now, business is shut down. There's no scouting. There's no physicals. There's no bringing any players in unless they're already on your team and they need to get medical attention. There is nothing that scouts can do to talk to players. Right now, there is nothing going on other than essential activities. For the draft, when you're making multi-million dollar decisions, and they are multi-million dollar decisions, who you're going to take. If you're the Dolphins, are you telling me that you look at Tua's video that he posted? CBS did a whole mock draft for two hours. It was great on HQ. We pretended that we were drafting players. Guess what? When it's mock, it don't count. You know I meant it doesn't count. When you're really drafting, it is a multi-million dollar decision. I'm going to look at the live video of Tua and say, ooh, he's moving really well. Yeah, I'm going to trade up to take him. I'm going to take him at number five. He looks great. That's not how it's going to work in the real world. I wouldn't want to take that chance. If I am running a team as a GM and I know that my job is on the line with this pick, I want to make sure I get it right. To get it right, I need to have scouts. I need to have, I need to be in touch, not social distancing. I need to be with a player, not zooming or FaceTiming. I need to look in his eyes and I need to make decisions. 
the advice would be from the GMs in a six to one vote to delay the draft. Shockingly, the owners and Roger Goodell said, thanks for that. But right now we are going to continue. Right now, we feel that April 23rd is perfectly good for the draft. People need the distraction. Well, what's going to happen is that Roger Goodell is going to have to walk that back. He's going to have to do his best IOC impression and pretend that everything's okay and then eventually delay. The reason is that it is wholly inappropriate by the end of April, forgetting the fact that come Easter Sunday, there will be a rising, we'll finish our Passover Seder, the Last Supper will be so full, we'll need to go outside and stretch, and we will be able to go to church and synagogue, and everything's going to be great. Forgetting that, because we know how unrealistic that is. Having nothing to do with politics, it is unrealistic. So that draft would be only 11 days after Easter. N-G-T-H not going to happen. In this case, I understand why Roger Goodell wants it to continue. I get it. You want to have normalcy. You want the money that comes from the draft, the sponsorship, the action. When free agency started, every network, CBS, all of them, it was wall-to-wall NFL because there was something to talk about. How many ways can you dissect Teddy Bridgewater going to the Saint, uh, the Panthers? How many ways can you dissect it? How many hours can you send spend on wide receivers and drafting them? How's that going to work exactly? Well, they're going to turn around and realize that the delay will happen. It's not my wait to see because there's no reason to wait. I've already seen. I find it to be highly unlikely the draft goes on as scheduled April 23rd. In this case, Roger, and believe me, I don't like to do it all the time either. You got to listen to your GMs. Well, who's got an extra? Anybody? Anybody have an extra 400 mil sitting around? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Yes, in the corner. Yes, the Microsoft guy. Steve Ballmer. Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, spent $400 million in cash yesterday and bought the Forum. Do you know what the Inglewood Forum is? I grew up, it was called the Great Western Forum. That's where I watched Pat Riley play basketball, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, James Worthy. It was way before the Staples Center. Well, actually, right before the Staples Center, the Great Western Forum. Well, it turns out that guess who owned the Great Western Forum, now called the Inglewood Forum? Yes, your favorite owner, Jim Dolan. Jim Dolan, the guy who owns the Knicks. The guy who owns the Knicks just sold to the Clippers owner, the Forum. Now, why would the Clippers be buying a building from the Knicks? Oh, yeah. Because the Clippers don't want to share Staples Center with the Los Angeles Lakers. They don't want to be the half-sister of the Los Angeles Lakers. They want to come out of the shadow and build their own arena. It's brilliant, Who wouldn't want two arenas in the same city because owners couldn't get along? Are you listening, people in South Florida? Are you listening to the fact that Wayne Huizenga built an arena in Broward and Mickey Arison built an arena in Miami for the sole reason they couldn't get along? So the Panthers and Heat have their own arena? 
and it's to the detriment of both teams, of the revenue for both teams, the value of both teams. So in Los Angeles, instead of doing something smart and sharing an arena, which they're doing now, the Clippers, not enough. We want to do a full land use development. We want to buy the forum, but we're not going to tear it down. We promise you, Jim Dolan, we're going to keep all the employees who work there. We're going to keep having concerts and other events. Give me a small break. But we're going to take the land around the forum. We're going to do a whole complex, build a brand new arena, and we're back in business. Steve Ballmer made a business decision yesterday, but his statement was perfect. You've heard me criticize statements many times on Nothing Personal. Let me read you what a perfect statement is. Steve Ballmer, quote, this is an unprecedented time, but we believe in our collective future. We are committed to our investment in the city of Englewood, which will be good for the community, the Clippers, and the fans. That is what's known as an almost perfect PR statement. For those of you who are loyal, nothing personal listeners, you know the change I would have made. We are committed to our investment in the city of Englewood, which will be good for the community, number one, the fans, number two, and the Clippers, number three. He put the Clippers two. You put the Clippers three because the Clippers means you, Steve, you own the team. But that is an almost perfect statement. And then you release that there will be 7,500 construction jobs. Then you say there will be 1,500 permanent jobs once the complex is finished. Well done, Steve Ballmer. I don't love the fact there's going to be two more, another new arena in Los Angeles. That said, the Clippers will be out of the shadow. You and Kawhi Leonard will get a ring before LeBron and the Lakers. That was an early wait to see and nothing personal. And we still are waiting. Steve Ballmer has an extra 400 million dollars. Well, quarantine or not, I'm still watching movies. You know that movie a day keeps the doctor away. I'm going to change that. I'm going to say a movie or a binge series a day keeps the COVID away. Because what better to do when you're self-quarantined than to watch movies? So I feel like that if you've watched my bonus pods, by the way, thank you so much for rating, reviewing. Go on Apple, five stars. Then I'll do a bonus pod at the end of every month where I'll answer any questions you have. Put the questions in your review. There will be a pod the first Saturday of each month. We did it in January and February. You're going to get another one the first Saturday after the end of March, which will be a week from this Saturday. I don't even know what day it is. I don't even know when day Saturday is. Every day feels like the same day. Groundhog Day. I got you, babe. I got you. Well, I want to do something for you because the last two bonus pods, I've told you that I have a top 100 movie list. You know very well that I tinker around with it all the time because when I see a new movie, I decide whether will it go into my top 100 or won't it? Well, today, I'm feeling like it's a special day. I'm going right to the top and I'm reviewing my number one movie, my favorite movie of all time. Not the best movie ever made, my number one movie. And the number one movie of all time, by the way, if we could get better soundboards and stuff, we would be doing this. Or, or I'm trying to be like a, a one-man band. I don't think any of those sound like instruments. Coca, you should be like, 
blowing a horn like is that like a horn by the way no one else uses this microphone don't worry okay the number one movie my favorite 1993 directed by peter weir starring jeff bridges isabella rossellini rosie perez john Turturro, tom hulse it's called fearless it's not jet lee's fearless it is fearless it's the story of a man who is in a plane crash and survives a plane crash and ends up saving the lives of most, if not all, of the people on the plane. It's not all, but it's most. It's the story of what happens to him psychologically after the plane crash, how he believes he's invincible. As a man, he decides what was his right to live when others died. He then has leads an invincible life and it's manifested through amazing metaphors and actions that he does and thoughts that he has. He starts a relationship with another one of the people who survived crash. He ends up separating from his family, coming together with his family, figuring out how to live when you feel like you don't deserve to live. What may sound depressing to you and difficult to watch, <clears throat> including some of the most unbelievable plane crash scenes of all time. Not horror. It's not blood and guts. It's the emotional part of it. This is an emotional movie that is written perfectly, directed perfectly. Jeff Bridges, who if I had to go in a quarantine with one person, he's probably in my top five. Actually, not with him personally. I don't know him. Just because you see someone on TV or know that he gets stoned all the time doesn't mean you know what he's like in person. I'm talking about if I had to be quarantined with just his movies, what a selection. Of course, Steve Martin would be in that. I'd have to think long and hard. That'll be another episode. Jeff Bridges is perfect. John Turturro as a airline representative psychologist. Tom Hulse as a lawyer trying to get money for Jeff Bridges. Isabella Rossellini as Jeff Bridges' wife trying to understand what he went through and be a part of it. Rosie Perez as a mother who was on that plane who clings on to Jeff Bridges as though that is her new lifeline. This movie has layers, more layers than a nine-layer dip that you're ordering from takeout and tipping 30% to take care of workers who are still working and restaurants who are still providing food. That's how many layers it has. It's been my number one movie since the day I saw it. 27 years ago, I saw that movie for the first time and I knew that that would be my number one movie. And as it turns out, it's never been close. Not one movie I've seen since has come close. It's so far from my number two movie, it's not in the same vicinity. If you have time, two hours and two minutes, 122 minutes, it's called Fearless. And if you don't cry, if you don't smile and if you don't think about your life and take stock in some of the things you think about, some of the things you do, then watch it again. I think about that movie every day of my life. My number one movie is called Fearless. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. 
Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. So you want to talk to Samson. I got to give a shout out to my sister. Nancy is her name. I'm giving her a shout out because I got a pair of socks from her. And they are from the movie Half Baked because my sister, lover, she wanted to know and make sure was this. So you want to talk to Samson related to the movie? And when I when I said it, she had not quite put the two together. Didn't really get the reference. Then got it so well that she sent me a pair of socks that I will wear because they're awesome. So you want to talk to Samson? I got a great one a couple days ago. Someone said, and if you follow me at Twitter at David P. Sampson, go into my DMs. This is different than the end of month pod. Go into my DMs and ask a question. I'll answer. What event, since nothing personal started, was the highlight or provided the most content? Wow. I had to go back and think over all the episodes that we've done. What is the one thing that has been the biggest story, the biggest event causing the greatest amount of content. Finalist on the podium, Boris, of course. Finalist on the podium, JJ. Jerry Jones. He's awesome for this show. But as I look back, the number one story providing the best content for you, the listener, with so many sides and layers to the onion, the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal has been like mana from heaven. It's been blood coursing through my veins. It's been that extra little bit of salt and pepper to make an already flavorful soup that much better. So many levels, and guess what? We haven't even spoken about it since coronavirus started. Does that mean the story has just gone away? Is that it? Does anyone care? Well, when games start again, eventually the Red Sox are going to have to be punished. Eventually, baseball is going to return to normal. Fans will go back to games. And eventually, just you wait. Just you wait because the truth is, yeah, the Astros are going to get booed. Yeah, there's going to be pressure. But think of this little nugget when you're talking to your friends having a virtual cocktail tonight at 5 p.m. If the season is shortened in any way or changed in any way, the Astros have a built-in excuse for not winning. It's not that they're not stealing signs. They didn't adapt to the new situation. They couldn't adapt to playing so many doubleheaders. They couldn't adapt to the compressed nature of the schedule or the difference in the playoffs. Plenty of built-in excuses that we're going to get to talk about for the next few months once games start after a few more months of not games. So the Astros are actually catching a break because the longer it goes on that they can say, hey, we didn't win because of trash can banging. We didn't win because we were stealing signs. The longer they can say that 
and have no real argument, no cogent argument that says otherwise, the better it will be for them and their legacies. It will always be a part of the legacy, the 2017 championship. We'll always have that sort of trash can asterisk. We know that. But will it continue to be a story that will continue to give content day in and day out? We're going to have to wait to see on that. But the So You Want to Talk to Samson, from my standpoint, was such a beautiful one because think about this show. We promise to decode. We promise to give you a different perspective, to tell you what's really going on. After 18 years of experience, I've been in the room. I can tell you, and I'm willing to tell you. I want to tell you things that no one else is telling you. I want to give you that information. At least have you leave each show and say, wow, I never really thought of it from that point of view. You don't have to agree with me. I'm not looking for an audience full of psychophants. I want an audience full of people who are willing to at least acknowledge there's more than one side to a story, and I'm going to arm you with the information to make a decision. So you want to talk to Samson? Thank you, Astros. I appreciate you. Remember that one time that Will Chamberlain scored 100 points? I don't know what got me thinking about it, but I was. A hundred points. If you don't remember that one time, then start learning about it right here. It was March 2nd. It was 1962. Will Chamberlain was a seven foot one player playing for a team called the Philadelphia Warriors. They were playing the New York Knickerbockers in Hershey, Pennsylvania, long before there was an amusement park. People with kids will get that. Will Chamberlain played 48 minutes in a game that will go down as the greatest individual achievement in the history of the NBA. No Kobe, no MJ, no LeBron, no Harden. Nobody comes close. Yeah, there have been some 80-point games. I think Kobe had one. 81, maybe. This is a perfect time where I'd get such up-to-the-second information for my main man, Coca. He'd say Kobe Bryant had 81 points on blank day against blank team. But in this day, on March 2nd, 1962, Will Chamberlain scored 100 points in 48 minutes. 169-147 was the final score. Will Chamberlain went 36... (laughs) I can't even do it without coughing. It's not COVID, don't worry. I'm taking a sip of water for those not watching at home. Will Chamberlain went 36 of 63 from the field. Think about that. By the way, I love Coca. I'm interrupting. Coca just interrupted the show in big red letters. When you've been loyal to nothing personal, you know how he does it. And he wrote, (coughs) sorry, he wrote, Kobe did it against the Raptors. Really? Thank you, Matthew. That's huge. Now he's typing in 2006. Getting closer, getting warmer. Ever play the game warm, cold? How many points did he score? For the love of God. 81 points. There he is with seven exclamation points. Will Chamberlain scored a hundo. He went 28 for 32 from the field. He had 25 rebounds. Do you know that Will Chamberlain won two titles? He played in the era of Bill Russell, who has one for his belly button. He's got 11 titles. Will Chamberlain played from 1959 to 1973. Do you know that he graduated college 
and had to take a year off because those were the rules back then. So in 1958, instead of taking a year off from basketball, he joined the Harlem Globetrotters and then went on to his career from 59 to 73. Philadelphia Warriors. Does that name sound familiar? Guess what? They became the San Francisco Warriors. Hello, Steph Curry. Then Wilt was traded back to Philadelphia, where they were then called the 76ers. Then he moved on to the Lakers. Anyway, a career of 30.1 scoring points per game. Wilt Chamberlain. I remember that one time. Do you? Today is day 10 of the ML Beard Challenge. For those of you looking, I want to see if I can get close. It's growing. The itchies are sort of coming and going. The blonde hairs that I have, I got a lot of blonde hairs in my beard that are beginning to come out. Some red hairs in the mustache area. It's called the ML Beard Challenge because me and Coca, we're taking a picture of ourselves every day. We are not shaving at all until Major League Baseball has an opening day, a real opening day, a current opening day of a regular season. But more than that, we are giving money to people who are on their tuchus because of the coronavirus, who are being responsible by self-quarantining, by social distancing, but whose jobs are in peril. Workers in ballparks, workers at restaurants. But we're not just talking about it, we're doing it. Every day we're sending $1,000 to a different MLB team. 30 straight days we're doing it. After that, the next 70 days, because we're giving up to $100,000 if MLB is not playing regular season within 100 days. We're going to grow the beer the whole time. Coca contacted me off the air yesterday, maybe day before, and said, hey, I'm just curious. Um, are we only growing our beard 100 days? What happens if baseball doesn't play until next April? I said, here's the rules. We said we're giving away $100,000, $1,000 a day for 100 days, but the beard goes until the first regular season game. So sorry, Coca, you're going to look like Grizzly Adams. Or we could join a band, ZZ Top. Either way, we're going to keep going. But today's team is the Detroit Tigers. And what we're doing is, and you can all join me, if you don't want to grow a beard, if you can't grow a beard, you could. If you literally can't grow a beard, you could not shave something else. Or you could just send money, whatever you can afford, 19 cents a day, whatever the case is. All I want you to do is please give to a team's foundation, your favorite team. And why do I say to give to a foundation? Because that is the organization that has the best opportunity to get the money to the people who need it. I cannot identify the exact name of the workers around Marlins Park or around Wrigley Field or around Fenway Park who are not working. I can't identify exactly the members of security, the ushers, the ticket takers. I can't do that. But the baseball teams can by working with their partners who do the hiring of these individuals, by having their community foundation work with the surrounding neighborhoods, which they do every day. Today's the Detroit Tigers. And if you're a fan of the Detroit Tigers, give anything you can to the foundation because they will put it to good use. Christopher Illich is a good man. 
Al Avila is a good man on the baseball side. They've made some mistakes, but it really was his father, Mike Illich. May he rest in peace. May Mike's memory be a blessing, but I'll tell you, the person who should really be blessing Mike Illich is Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera, who is the reason I have a ring, one of them, one of the main reasons at 19 years old in 2003, when he came up, he was unbelievable. He batted cleanup in the 2003 World Series when we beat the Yankees. We unfortunately, I had to be a part of a trade of Miguel Cabrera to the Detroit Tigers. And he has first ballot Hall of Famer, guaranteed. Triple crown winner, guaranteed. But the Tigers are hamstrung because they offered him an extension of eight years, $248 million, two years before they had to. Do people not realize, do not sign players who you control two extensions before you have to? The Tigers have tried to get a ring. They signed Jordan Zimmerman. Didn't work. Thank God he's in the last year of his five-year $110 million deal. The Tigers have a chance. They lost 114 games last year. It's not going to get better. They're going to lose. They're going to the worst team in the AL again next to the Orioles. But the reality is they've got Cabrera on the books going forward. And that's it. He's through 2023. After that, they can start over and they're going to need to start over. And the reason they're going to need to start over is that otherwise they will have no opportunity to win. The Detroit Tigers, for me, are an example of an organization from Sparky Anderson. They have a great history. Boy, are they struggling. Give them the money. ML Beer Challenge, Detroit Tigers. Okay, we're up to our wait to see. You know what wait to see is? I am accountable. I will stand here and tell you what I think, and when I'm wrong, I'm going to admit that I'm wrong. When I'm right, I'm going to take credit. I got a good wait to see, because guess what, folks? Did you get the theme of the show? My top 100 movie list, I gave you number one. Will Chamberlain. Remember the time he scored 100 points? Guess what? Today was episode number 100. I want to thank everybody who listens, downloads, subscribes, watches on YouTube, on the CBS YouTube channel, or otherwise. You have made this show and made what I do so much fun. Interacting with me every day on Twitter, David P. Sampson, letting me give you how I view the world. I love that, and I respect you, and I will never take this audience for granted. I've enjoyed every single one of these 100 episodes, and I appreciate you, because without you, I'm done. So here's my way to see. I'm committed to you, and you're committed to me. There will be another 100 episodes. Wait to see. Nothing personal will continue for at least a hundred more. And you know why? As my voice cracks. Because it's business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to buyoptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.